0: The show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from our earlier years. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. This week, a story that's really not so old, after all. It's from last year's Holiday Story episode, and it's by Sarah Long Hendershot. It's a story we call the Present.
1: It was a bitterly cold Rochester, New York December, and the power was out in my apartment. And it wasn't out because a storm knocked it out. It was out because I didn't have the money to pay the energy bill. There were only five more days till Christmas and there was no heat there were no lights there was no refrigerator and this kind of setback I would have been not that difficult to deal with if I had been single but I was a single mom and I had this great 11 year old son and you know as a parent I think Especially as the only parent, just way down deep in the core of your being, you want to give your child a nice holiday. There's this awareness that these are memories that your kid is going to have for the rest of his life. Rochester winters are really gray and unrelenting. And it helps you to get through it if you have a place to go that's cozy and bright and you can kind of count off the winter season through the holidays. You know, you've got Thanksgiving and then there's Christmas and then New Year's. And before you know it, you're almost a Valentine's Day and you can see St. Patrick's Day off in the distance and then things are starting to thaw and you know that you made it through another one. But things had been sliding downhill for me for months. And now <laughs> they had shut us off right before Christmas, and it just it fills you with shame. I kept trying to play it all off as an adventure for him. He was bright and happy kid and we would go to the library and we would get tons of books and we would crawl under blankets with flashlights and read them and we had all the Harry Potter books and we had all the Tintin adventures and I would read them out loud and I would have a unique voice for every character and it really was fun but eventually you have to come out from underneath the blanket and you're in your apartment and you can see your breath and you dash through the house to the bathroom and the porcelain is like a big block of ice and you wash your hands and the water is so cold that it physically hurts and it turns your hands into claws and it's only fun for so long and you have to learn how to pretend for your child. The month before, in the days leading up to Thanksgiving, I hadn't been able to pay the bill, but they didn't shut us off right away. Shane and I came up with this idea for our Thanksgiving feast. We were going to try to come up with enough money to buy a single entree from the Chinese restaurant for our Thanksgiving feast. So we pulled all the cushions off of the sofa and we found some change in there. We collected cans and bottles from neighborhood recycling bins and returned them. We even took out the cardboard folder that we'd been putting all the new state quarters in. We pried those back out. And Thanksgiving Day, we counted up our money and we had enough for an entree. And it was very exciting. And we walked there together in the crisp fall air. And Shane chose shrimp with oyster sauce because it sounded like the fanciest thing on the menu. We walked back home. It was a beautiful day. We were going to really make it festive. We were going to cuddle up together on the sofa with our blankets and eat our Chinese food while we watched a VHS copy of It's a Wonderful Life. And Shane was chattering away like he liked to do, and I was dishing out the food. I put a very healthy portion onto his plate. I set it on the table for him with a glass of water. He came over to get it, and he picked it up. And I still ask myself to this day, why did I serve it to him on a paper plate? But for whatever reason, I did. And as he turned away from the table with his plate in one hand, his glass of water in the other, the balance of the food shifted, and it just slipped out of his hand. And I watched it, like in slow motion, just falling towards the floor, and of course, turning over to land food side down on the carpeting. I saw his face just change in that split second. It was one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen. The joy, it just evaporated. And I saw the sadness and the guilt just wash over him. We had pulled off this minor miracle, and now it was ruined. And... I had to think really fast. Your parenting instincts, they just kick in. And I held up the plate that I had just filled with the remainder of the food, and I said, no, 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 it's fine, you're good, that's perfectly fine, you accidentally picked up my plate, this is your plate, and that food is fine, the food on the floor, it's still good. There's a a three-second rule, and I ran over and I scraped it up off the carpet with all the detritus and the dog hair, and I knew that I was going to have to eat it all. I could see the tears in his eyes, and he didn't really believe me, but I knew I was going to have to really sell it, so I did. I just said, hmm, oh, isn't this great? And then I distracted him. Circumstances had brought us to Rochester, which was a new town to us earlier that September, and we didn't know anybody in Rochester. The job that I had been promised upon my arrival never materialized, and I had not been able to find another one. I had watched what little savings we had evaporate in three months, and my first family was fractured and far away. And many of my old friendships hadn't survived the realities of my single parenthood. Most of my old friends were musicians, and they all had their own struggles with money, too. Sometimes there just isn't someone to go to. I think that this is what people who are used to consistency in their lives don't understand about people who walk the line between solvency and poverty. You can be okay for a long time and then some unexpected thing or two things go south and then the dominoes are falling and you're suddenly in poverty and it's daunting and exhausting to claw your way out of it. You just don't have any slack. So as Christmas approached, it became harder and harder to keep depression at bay and to hide our dire circumstances from Shane. I didn't know if we were going to be able to pay our rent. And I was afraid that we were going to end up in a shelter. And we were living off of spaghetti because I could get a pound of spaghetti noodles for 49 cents and a jar of ragu for 79 cents. Shane was okay with that because he loved spaghetti. But how was I going to get us through Christmas? Jane was at school for the last day before the holiday break. I sat in that cold and silent apartment, and it's amazing how quiet it gets in winter when there's no power in the house because there's no hum of the refrigerator or the clicking of your computer keys or the TV or the radio. There's just nothing. And I read the want ads again, even though I knew that nobody was hiring a few days before Christmas unless I wanted to become a long-haul trucker. And I heard downstairs someone walk across our porch in a thump. I went to the window and I saw the big brown UPS truck out front. I wasn't expecting anything. So I pulled the blanket more tightly around my shoulders and I went down the narrow stairway to the front door and I opened it up and I got hit with this arctic blast of cold. There was a box sitting there, just a plain brown box. It was maybe about the size of a toaster oven or so. I picked it up. I saw the return address was Naples, Florida. I couldn't think of anyone that I knew in Naples, Florida. I shook the box, but it didn't make any noise. So I took it upstairs, and I sat down on the floor with a pair of scissors, and I scraped the scissors along the end of the box. And as soon as the tape released the flaps, they sprung out, and wads of paper money came shooting out onto my lap and onto the floor. I couldn't believe my eyes. I was stunned and dumbfounded. I reached my hand in, and the entire box was packed full of crumpled up paper money. And there were a lot of ones, but there were fives, and there were tens, and there were twenties. And I I, I was laughing and crying at the same time. What in the? It was just the last thing in the world that I ever expected to see. There had to be $400, at least. It was a treasure of incredible bounty to me at that point in my life. I thought to myself, Naples, Florida, Naples, Florida. And I remembered my friend Paul, who I hadn't seen for several years. He was a piano player, and he spent half the year working in the Thousand Islands and half the year working down in Florida playing piano in bars. And I called him up. And he told me that every night that he played, he took his tip jar at the end of the night and he would dump it into his piano case. And at the end of the year, he would take all the money and he would donate it to somebody that he thought could use it. And for some reason, I had crossed his mind I stuffed the money back in the box and taped it back up again, so that when Shane came home from school, he could sit down on the floor in the same place I was, and he could open the box himself and get the same surprise and shock that I had gotten. And there was enough money in that box to get the power back on in time for Christmas. And there was enough money for a small tree and some gifts for each other, and enough For Christmas dinner. We also took a portion of that money and we bought several pairs of gloves and a stack of gift certificates from McDonald's and we went out into that freezing cold December and we gave them away to people who looked like they needed them. The woman at the bus stop whose chin was tucked down into her cloth coat and her hands stuck under her armpits and the man we saw riding his bike with bright red hands grabbing the metal handlebars. He told us that it was the only way he had to get to work. And those interactions were filled with joy and gratitude. And we kept that tradition for many years until Shane went away to college. I realized that it had all begun with a man sitting in a bar and the people there listening to something that made them happy and so they gave him something for that and he shared it with us and we shared it with other people and who knows where it went from there but what it also did was it got me through the end of a really tough year and into a new one and that new year brought a new job and new friends and a new boyfriend who turned into a loving husband and father. That completely unexpected act of kindness kept the other dominoes from falling and it held us together. It was a beautiful Christmas.